show. All right, what's up, everyone? It's a podcast. What? Welcome to the Dear Maddie Show, everybody. This is Matt Marr coming to you from Los Angeles, California, and coming from me, coming from coming from me. Jesus, Mandy, I already <laughs> fucked it up, but we're gonna keep going. Coming to you from Denton, Texas, my old undergraduate stomping grounds, Mandy Roush. Hello. Hello. I forgot. What was your... I. You've been Roush so long, I don't even remember what your maiden name was. My maiden name is Hilliard. Yes. Mandy <laughs> Hilliard. I'll never forget Ricky Darty talking about her great student, Mandy Hilliard. Oh, Ricky. Oh, Ricky. Hot mess. We love her. <laughs> um, that's what she was. Mandy, thank you so much for being here tonight. I know that. Tell tell me what you just said about your husband and your kid. I love that. Oh, I said uh, you were saying that you were apologizing for making me wait because the technical difficulties we were having trying to get this coast to, well, there's not really a coast in Texas that counts, but coast to Texas phone call going. And I said, no worries because my husband's gone. He's playing poker. He does his thing on Monday nights. And we were within the window of my toddler moaning and groaning when he kicks his blankets off. There's like a five to 10 minute window where he falls asleep and we think we're good and then he kicks his blankets off on purpose and cries so we'll come back in there and cover him up and pat his butt and then he goes back to sleep and i think everything's good so i've got the monitor across the room so in case he starts getting rambunctious i can hop up (laughs) this is you know what we're theater people you and i we're used to we're used to going at it and rolling with the punches no kidding so now i ask so tell everybody how we know each other I mean, I kind of alluded already, but yeah. Yeah, we we met because um, I gosh, you know, I changed my major so many times. I can't remember <laughs> if you and I actually met, and I don't think we had any classes together because you were a year or two ahead of me. I think. But yeah, I graduated in oh two. Yeah, I graduated in 05, so um, that's because I changed my major several times. But we met because your roommate was my voice teacher. Yes, uh, and the we Ricky were, Darting we just mentioned the Ricky Darting, and you we were both, you were music, and then I started to do musical theater, but it was going to take too long. But didn't you start to do musical theater right as I was leaving? I started musical theater from the get go, and then wait, did I? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I don't remember what I did. I remember that I eventually got away from the musical theater program though because it didn't seem to be fleshing out, which you know it never really did. Um, they did so it was new, and they just. Oh, they did. They got rid of it. Oh, yeah. It's been dormant for a long time, and they just got rid of it officially, like, out of the books, out of the curriculum um, a couple of years ago. But Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. Um, They still have a theater program, just not a musical theater program. A couple of people actually graduated with that degree, though, that were in our classes and did theater with us, because once they've started you on a degree plan, they can't really tell you, you know, that it's not there anymore. So... Uh, like Olivia, do you remember Olivia de Guzman? She graduated. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's she doing now? I wonder. Oh my gosh, she and her husband owned a coffee shop in Denton for a while, and then they sold it, and it was wonderful. I was sad when they left, and now they are. Um, they've got one of those escape rooms in Dallas that they're running. Are you kidding me? No, and they're also. This is a, a an unintentional plug for their show. They wrote a musical called As We Lie Still, and Michael Serechia in Dallas, who was also in the original cast of A Chorus Line, fun story. Uh, They did it at New York Musical Theater Festival, which I think is happening right now in New York, but it was a year or so ago, and now they're putting it up at Contemporary Theater of Dallas. So they're just doing all kinds of cool stuff. Look at them. Yeah, I know. But 
anyway, I was, I don't remember what I did first, whether it was musical theater or music education, but you know how it is. It UNT is a very important music school and I was also having to work and also take classes. And you know how it is when you're music or theater, you're taking 13 or 14 hours, but you're in classes eight hours a day because all your classes are one hour credit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, yeah. Bullshit. And then you also like choir would be one hour credit, even though you spend like two hours a day in it you're going on choir tour you're doing this and you get one credit and then you get grand chorus on tuesday nights all for one hour of credit per semester and i remember sitting in uh uh i believe it was henry gibbon's office and i just was weeping and i said unt's making me hate music and he said you don't have to have a degree in it to keep doing it you have to do what's best for you and so i walked my happy behind right over to an advisor and changed my major to my minor which was english and that's what i graduated with oh i didn't know that yeah are you are you glad with that decision oh sure i mean it was already my minor i came in you know, one of those AP English kids who went right into a junior Shakespeare class as a freshman. So I had already really done a lot of work towards the towards the minor. So I just took a few extra classes. What's a bummer is that I couldn't get the music minor. Like I couldn't get it even with all the work I'd put in. It wasn't enough to fulfill the minor requirements. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not. But I was so ready to graduate and get out by then. It took me five years. So I was ready. No, it took me it took most people from UNT that did music five years because we had to have 144 credits at the time, which most people had to have like 110 or 115 right it was ridiculous but you were in you were in the music program right because i remember you sang with the performance majors in acapella choir right yeah i was in acapella and then i i started to do musical theater my last my fifth year um or like four and a half and then i realized the musical theater department needed to get their shit together still um (laughs) and because it was a shit show and um so but i was sad because being in the theater community and everything i was like oh these are these honestly i was like these are my people um even more than like because so many of the opera opera people, I mean, there was. I have a lot of good friends still from opera. I but, married uh, one, so <laughs> yeah. And but uh, you know, there was much more of an uppityness of some people in the opera program that sure. there wasn't in the theater program. But um, but I also went to musical theater because Paula Homer would never give me a fucking role, and I had to have a role to graduate. That stupid bitch. I don't <laughs> like Paula Homer. She's listening. I'm sorry. I think you play favorites. I know I wasn't the best singer, but it's academia. You should have given me a role. That's right. And you did. Did you do Hysterion before or after we did Grease? I did Hysterion before. Oh, yeah, we did do Grease together. Yes, we were in musical theater at the same time. Matt, um, guess what? I still have that VHS. Oh, my. You know what? I'll do it for you. I got it burned to a DVD. Shut up. You have to send me a copy because. Okay, I'll listen, do it. Whenever, you remember, uh, when was that? When did Grease Live happen? A few months ago? Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. It's on my TV. I heard it's fantastic. It's pretty good. It's way but, too long. Like, I by got the way, Mandy, Th- Mandy Roush and I are going to talk, audience, a lot about musical theater today. Yeah, so sorry, just get guys. ready. Just get ready. Get ready. Uh, musical theater, theater in general. But I, you're going to laugh. I went out to my garage because everyone was posting, oh, Throwback Thursday. This is when I did Grease back in whenever. And I was like, I want one of these. And I went in, in my garage. I still have in the box one of those TV VCR combos. You know, like your grandma has uh in her kitchen type Uh of things. And I dug through and found my VHS and I I fast forwarded it and that VHS tape was struggling. But I sure did find 
Freddie, my love, and I like filmed it with my phone, and then it was such poor quality, I just couldn't bring myself to post it. Oh, I'll have to redo it. Yeah, because you were Marty, right? Yeah, and Ambria was in that that video as well. She'd kill me if I posted it. She's crazy. Um, that she is crazy. That she says stuff on Facebook. She's hilarious. <laughs> I know. I forgot all about that. But yeah, hysterium. I had to beg the opera pro. They let me count that as my role. So that way I could graduate with a, because that oh, was how generous of them. I know if you're a performance <laughs> major, you have to have, or you did. And like I said, Paula Homer, she just, well, she didn't like Dr. Garner either. So she really, unless you were really good in Dr. Garner's studio, she didn't give you a role. Oh, bummer. I know. And, oh gosh, I forgot what I was going to say. Something, it was something about the musical theater opera thing. Oh, I and remember yeah. the theater kids were super pissed that I came in and got Marty. Oh, they were. I was. I, that's were. it. I was in the music department then, and they were like, "Who is this bitch? And <laughs> what is she doing?" So I obviously the musical must have been what switched me to musical theater for a little bit. Yeah, because you did. Yeah, and I think you know, I get it. They were kind of like they knew they were going. You know, North Texas is one of the best music schools in the world. So it's like, are these people going to come all in and want to kind of take over? But. um yeah, I definitely, because they still had more collaboration, because after I left, I know Jake, musically direct, Jake Anthony, for people that don't, uh, but oh, he did, I they did, him. oh, Miss Anthony, Miss Thing, Miss Poodle. But, I have no, the funniest story about Jake, remind me. Oh, but, well, but anyway, he did Once Upon a Mattress, and then I think, didn't they do a Sondheim thing there? They, oh gosh, they did a little night music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was the opera department, right? Or was that theater? I think it was a collaboration. I think that was the collaboration. Oh, yeah. And then it all fell apart. Okay. Tell your um, tell your poodle story. We call him okay. poodle. <laughs> he will either not care or die when I tell this story. So after one of the theater parties, you know, when we everyone just would get drunk and make out with each other. I have actually, now that you said, I have drunk pictures of us at the Grease after party. <laughs> oh, Sorry. God. I remember looking real pretty drunk in those pictures. Some of the other <laughs> pictures, it is not cute drunk. Not anyway, so go ahead. Son. Some party, I think it was at Nathan Frank's house, Jake Anthony gave me a ride back to my car at the dorms, and this is before Jake was out, so we sure did make out in his car, and he... <laughs> <laughs> Jake Anthony telling me that I was not very good at kissing. (laughs) (laughs) She's a bitch. I was so offended. I was like, what? Who are you to tell me? And like, here's my husband loves this story, by the way. And he was like, didn't he come out as gay? I was like, yeah, he's the only one who's ever told me I was a bad kisser. Let me tell you why. I didn't have anything that got him going. That's why. So, and he left a huge hickey on my neck. And I went to carousel callbacks the next day or two days later. And he was playing for callbacks. And I was like, yo, look what you did to me. Oh, my. He is. uh, He would get hickeys all the time when he came home. I remember one time because Lindsay, our friend Lindsay and Jake, we all live together. He's going to kill me. Thank God he doesn't listen to the show, except when he's on it. Um, But he one time I was getting ready for like getting up in the morning and like having coffee for breakfast. And I'm in the kitchen and I hear somebody open the door and I'm like, well, that's early. And Jake walks in. With just his pants on, and he's totally shirtless, 
with a big hickey on his neck. And I'm like, what are you doing? And Jake <laughs> says, I couldn't find my shirt. Uh <laughs> I'm going to take a shower. And then he just walked and, like, washed off the shame. <laughs> oh, I was hoping we would have a good segue into me telling that Jake story. That is the best. <laughs> oh, funny. Oh, that made... Well, I'm done with this year. That just made it all worth it. <laughs> I am crying a little bit for real. That's good. Actually, well, now, the reason, too, I'm having, I wanted to have you on the show is because... I like, because, you know, we do, I see you all the time on the Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But I love, I think, because a lot of my listeners, not all, but a lot of my listeners are moms. Mm-hmm. And you're a mom, and, but you're not just a mom. I think what's really, and I mean that in a positive way, that you sure. really seem to have your own self-identity. And, also, and not that moms need to do other things. If you want to be a mom and that's your job, that's totally, you're busy enough. But also, but mainly it's about not that you, you, for other, you have a really good way, I think, of um, expressing that you don't necessarily, you're a, you, you're a really good mom because you try to be a good mom and you don't really sometimes have all the answers. Because I'll see you post on Facebook and you're like, you guys, I'm confused or I need help or this doesn't make sense to me or this, you know, I'm feeling like you need support. I I feel like you're really good about that. Thank you. Um, I try very hard to live an authentic life on Facebook or on social media. Um, It's important to me because I think especially as moms, even if we don't do it on purpose, I think that we only see the shiny, happy, cute, Pinteresty stuff. And for those of us that fail miserably at that, even if it's just we failed that day, if, if that's what we're seeing all the time, you can't help but measure yourself against other people's, what's that, that, you know, painted on a, on a picture of clouds saying that's like, don't compare your, um, your some, something else with somebody's highlight reel, like your life story oh, with somebody else's yeah, highlight yeah, yeah. reel, something uh-huh. like that. And I always think about that. And so even though sometimes it's not my, my most, um, flattering moment, um, literally or figuratively, I figure if somebody else can say, Oh my God, thank God. I'm not the only one who doesn't, who wants to drop kick her kid to the next gypsy camp (laughs) or, (laughs) or if it's just, I yelled at my kid today and I feel like a giant asshole or I flipped off my kid behind his back because I've definitely (laughs) done that. Um, it's just, it's, I, I believe in living authentically because then Gosh, I would feel miserable if anybody said, well, you just have your your shit together so much and it makes me feel bad. That'd break my heart because I would say, oh, girl, let me tell you or dad. You know, I try very hard to remember that not all parents are, you know, heteronormative households Um, that parenting is so hard and we beat ourselves up every single day as it is. We don't need to have other people making us feel worse about what already is so hard. So living authentically on social media, it seems like a silly thing to even be a thing. But if you're as active on social media as I am, um, it's, it's a goal of mine every day to just be like, here's what I'm dealing with. Good, bad, ugly, real ugly, whatever. Well, and good, good for you. I mean, yes, I try to, I try to do that myself as well. Um, because it's just, it's just, I mean, I was just, I recorded a podcast um, right before you with a gentleman named Angus Nelson, who does a lot of life coaching and working with entrepreneurs. But we talked, he didn't talk about it as, as depth, but he alluded to that as well. It's kind of just the, it really, if we believe everything we see on social media, we feel like it, it paralyzes people from taking steps just to live and live a true life because they feel like their life is not, isn't 
we don't like to feel alone. We don't like to. And so when we see that nobody is like us on social media, then we feel alone and it paralyzes us. Exactly. And then you are fearful to ever be honest because it's, it might show your weakness. And I, one thing that makes me happier than anything in the world is like Pinterest fails. Have you seen those blogs that are Pinterest fails and it'll just be like nailed it. And it looks terrible. (laughs) If we could just, I haven't seen that. <laughs> there, I'm sure there's a whole like hashtag of Pinterest fails. And I just think that those are great because it's just showing mm. I tried it and look how terrible it looks. Isn't this hysterical? Like being oh. able to laugh at yourself and just, gosh, resetting every day. And that's, I mean, to take it back to even parenting, you just can kick yourself in the ass all day long. And then you just got to reset because the next morning that kid's going to wake up and need you to do something. And you cannot be focusing and dwelling on that one time you snapped the night before or whatever it was. So I totally am all about living your authentic life, especially as a parent, but definitely not specifically or solely as a parent, just as a person. Yeah. I love that resetting, resetting every day. I love, love, love that. Yeah, every well, day, all- it sounds like really hokey, but every day's a new start. It's grace every morning type of thing. Yeah. Well, and also too, like, so what is it, you know, I, also you are involved quite a bit still in theater. Very so much. how yeah. the hell do you find time? Um, I'm a night owl and I always have been, you know, that theater personality where, you know, we always joke that we're like vampires on matinees. It's like, oh God, no sunlight. What the hell uh-huh. is that when the green room door opens? But um, being a night owl really helps because, you know, once Zach is down to sleep, that's my son. Um It'll be 10, so I'll, I'll sit with Michael for a little bit, and we'll watch TV, or he'll go out and do something, and I'll just switch on, and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I've also turned into much more of a planner. I mean, I have a ridiculous planner. You would die if you saw it, um, oh, where wow. sometimes I have to schedule it out by the hour, and I'm not very good at always keeping that, but having a list at least keeps me accountable to the things that I need to get done, and let me also just say that fear is an excellent motivator. If I know that I have to take care of something... Like if I'm directing a show and I have to plan that rehearsal because all those actor eyes are going to be looking at me when I get there and I need to have a plan and I refuse to feel unprepared. That's something I've gotten better at as I've gotten older <clears throat> into my thirties is, um, I, I don't, I don't have much sympathy for lack of preparation anymore. Like I was even prepping, trying not to over prep for this podcast. Like I kind of read over and I was like, I'm going to write down it. No, Mandy, chill. So, you know, you, you also have to make time. And I wrote a piece for a friend of mine has an online magazine. It's called Alicia magazine. And I wrote something for her last year that was basically about how sometimes everybody has to hear the word no. And that includes your husband and your child sometimes, because if I know I am, I am really full on the family side to the point of overflowing almost, and I need to fulfill some artistic needs, then I have to say no to my family sometimes and say, I need to do this. I need a mm. night to go do this. And so sometimes my, you know, and you have to be careful with your work, but sometimes work has to hear no. Um, yeah. Can you stay late for this thing? No. I need to go home and see my family because I've got two hours before rehearsal. Absolutely not. Not this week. However, you know, you don't want to get fired. So use that at your discretion, but yeah, you just have to sometimes tell people no. Cause you have a job as well, right? Don't you work at UNT? I do work at UNT. I work in the libraries and I just, I've had this job a little over a year and I am their outreach coordinator and I, I run our Facebook page, our Twitter account. I'm basically paid to be on Facebook and Twitter and, um, engaging with the students and the, the community and finding groups to bring in for tours. I love it. I love my job so much. 
Well, I bet actually it sounds that's a really important job, especially now. I know from running camp, our youth are so much plugged into Snapchat and Facebook and all, that's what they're all into. Oh my so gosh. that's and how you do communicate with them and get feedback on how the library is doing. Exactly. And I, my favorite thing to do when I give the, cause you know, we're, we're winding down freshman orientations cause school's about to start. And I give a library tour as part of, did I just say library? I didn't mean to. Library. Well, bring out the Texas girl, bring <laughs> it. You're born and raised. Welcome to the library. Um, when I do these library tours with these freshmen who just look like infants more and more every year, uh, I play up the, the dorky adult card so much. Like, I am like, what do you guys call it? Getting turnt? And they just look at me like I'm stupid and they laugh because I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> but I'm just like, what are these Snapchats? Are you playing Pokemon? What do you call the little thing? The the Pika? What? And so they just, I play it up because I don't know, but I, I do want to learn. I have, an, I have a knowledge of social media, but still not the way that the, the children use it. And I hate to call somebody I, a child, but they're 17 and 18 years they're, old. They're children. They're, chi- they're children. I still can't get Snapchat. I haven't figured. Don McCoy tries and tries, and I don't get it. <laughs> it's really kind of stupid. I have it, but I really just use it to play with the filters to keep Zach happy sometimes. If he's having a meltdown, I'm like, hey, want to make a puppy face? And, you know, we <laughs> are we face swap, and he thinks that's creepy and funny. So He is a cute kid. Thank you. He is so funny. He's so funny. How old is he now? He just turned three at the end of June. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. The little jerk. He keeps getting bigger, even though I tell him not to. <laughs> but he's so much fun now. Like, he talks to me, and he's sweet, and he's funny. Like, last night, he just said, hey, Mommy. And I said, yes, honey, because I'm trying to quit going, what? Because he's picking that up. And he goes... I'm your friend and you're my friend. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it, and then he goes, and daddy's my poo poo. <laughs> I just laughed his butt off. So it's hysterical having a three year old in the house. That's, uh, he's great, that's, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. You're, you're killing mo- the motherhood. I think you really are. I think you're just, like I said, from what I think you're going to have a very, um, again, authentic and very, um, I'm very just um, well, well, um, just well lived child. I hope so. And I hope that exposing him and, and I've had to take him with me to rehearsals. You asked how I have time. Sometimes Michael's and my schedules don't line up and babysitters are expensive. And sometimes I'm like, all right, I'll take him with me for the first hour, but you've got to come get him by eight o'clock, you know, and uh, he'll sit there and I'll give him his headphones and the iPad, you know judge me all you want screen time moms he loves that shit um (laughs) (laughs) he'll play on the ipad while i'm leading them in in movement exercises or warm-ups and so he's seeing it he's seeing me do what i love to do so i i would love to be able to expose him from a very early age to the arts and just all kinds of different culture does he sing oh my gosh all the time i have a video Okay, you are... Oh, wait. I've seen videos of him singing, actually. Yeah. Actually, right before we started this podcast, everyone was blowing up my phone because, you know, Hamilton is the big thing. I have a video of him on YouTube just freaking out over the big fast rap number that Lafayette does. Uh-huh. And they are doing... I guess it's, they're celebrating a year since Hamilton opened, and they made this collage, the official Hamilton social media account, of all these kids. And they're doing a hashtag Hamilkids, and Zach's picture is on the collage. So oh, cool. Yeah, so I was like, hey. <laughs> and so it's a contest to get them to sing one of the other songs, which Zach knows, because of course he does. 
but he's got this great sense of rhythm and Michael and I will just look at each other sometimes because he's singing with us and I swear to God he's singing in harmony he'll be like a perfect third above us not a perfect third music nerds back off me um, <clears throat> but a third he'll be singing with thirds with us and uh, it's yeah, because Michael's a singer as well. Yeah, my husband is an opera singer and a voice teacher. So that kid, it's going to happen. I hope so. And even if he doesn't love it or, or um, choose to become, an, you know, work in the arts or contribute or participate in the arts, I hope he at least always has uh, knowledge and respect of them. That's my goal. I hope he's the scientist. Maybe he'll make some money, you know. <laughs> Pay for your retirement so, so mama can sing in the Hamptons. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Okay. I, well, I love that. We're going to get to questions, but I, and this will happen because I mean, I love that my mother just retired in Denton. So I love that. I, we will, we're going to, I'm going to come down. We're going to, first of all, I want to meet your kid. And second of all, we're going to have a glass of wine. Oh yeah. You won't even recognize parts of Denton. When was the last time you were here? Well, I've been around parts of it, but it, it I didn't recognize it. I mean, I was there. I was just there for like three days, but it was just helping my mother move into the house. I just, I didn't call you because I didn't have time. It no, was just like, bam. but it was, um, cause they live right off Colorado. So they're, they're actually, I don't remember the name of it. Sarah Sheffield used to live in that building on Colorado that like where it was like a red brick apartment complex with white trim. I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not going to venture a guess to the name. Also, so people don't know where your mom lives. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, but she lives right across from that. Okay, yeah. But there's so many great bars and places to hang out. And they've kind of, Denton's just gotten a little, it's bordering on, people are, that have been here a while are just calling it real bougie. And, you know, parts of it are, but it's, I still love it. I actually love it. I think it's been really good for Denton. No, I actually, I was the one that pushed my mother to retire there. Because my mom's not religious, her boyfriend's not religious, and something I know from counseling is, especially as people get older, isolation is a horrible, horrible thing for senior people to deal with. Yeah. And if you have a church community, it's much easier to find community and support when you need it. And, or if you live in a town like, you know, if you live in Palm... I mean, that's why when I'm probably old and gay, I'll move to Palm <laughs> Springs, because there's a community there, you know, or why people go to Florida. There's... But they were going to move to like Granbury, Texas. And I'm like, Mom, that's pretty. But y'all aren't going to go to church. Y'all, that's not your thing. And that's fine. But you're going to just be, if you get sick or you need somebody to help, you know, you're three hours from my brother who lives in Oklahoma. Anyway, so they, and also her boyfriend, he loves jazz. And I'm like, dude, you could go just hear free jazz, like the best in the world all the time. All the so, time. So anyway, yeah, all the time. Yeah. So, it, and they're, but they love it. They both are so happy where they live. They're gutting their house and doing all the stuff. So, and I'll be there all the time. So, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I just, are you in Denton or you don't say where you live? I mean, for like my two <laughs> listeners, but, it, yes. it, but still. We actually live in the house that my dad was raised in. We live in my grandparents' house. We are renting it and I love it. It's in Denton, North Denton. We joke that we might as well live in Oklahoma. But oh, wow, that's funny. It's, I mean, you know, where the loop 288 is, um, yeah, which that shocked me because when I left it, there was maybe that Cracker Barrel and uh, and then like maybe a McDonald's there, and that was it. Oh, yeah, it's blowing up. They just added, is. They added a Chili's over there, <laughs> a Chili's, I know. So now you don't have to go all the way across town to get your Presidente. 
get get my Presidente and chips and salsa. I'll never forget when I turned 21. I made Julie Fiore, because Julie Fiore turned 21 like 10 days before me. And it was like 11 o'clock and we skipped oral skills, which is a music theory thing. It sounds like a blowjob class, but it's not everybody. It's oral, not oral. And we it was like 11 o'clock and we, we knew they opened at 11. I said, I want a margarita. She's like, me too. And we just went and drank at like 1130. It was great. Scandalous. I know. After that, yeah, we did. Tea and buzz. We sure did. Always Doctor Ivy. He didn't care. Papa, Papa Jenkins. He didn't care. So that was before Doctor McCoy. Oh yeah, that was a whole other show. Okay. I did one year of Doctor McCoy, and I love him for his musicianship. But again, that was another reason. I was about in like four. It was in my four and a half, maybe four years. I was just starting my fourth year of Denton, and I was walking down. I was walking. I just had a voice lesson with Dr. Eustace and because I'd switched my last. No, this guess this was my fifth year. I switched to Dr. Eustace because Dr. Garner and I were just done with each other. And we. I wasn't the right student for him, and he was not the right voice teacher for me. Sure. And um, it only took us four years to find out. And so I switched to Dr. <laughs> Eustace. It was going great, and I loved having lessons with her. She really changed my voice in just that short amount of time. But I was walking down. What what was the hall? What was the old part where her office used to be? I forgot what that was called. Oh, I don't remember. It was just, uh, did it have you a know name? How, <laughs> you know how it was like the newer part? And then there was like you, you. Um, not the uh, annex. That was a separate building. Yeah, not the annex. But anyway, it was that older part and of the original music building. And I heard two guys like talking about jazz. And they were talking about uh, this new artist and how much they loved this artist and this new music and blah, blah. And I kind of thought, huh, I don't think about music that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't need to hear the newest thing. Like, I still haven't heard Hamilton. I know. I need to hear it. I love musical theater, but it's not like this. It's, it's not this thing. I was really more interested in acting and stories and hosting, and I just kind of, but I was a good singer, and that's what got me a scholarship to this school. You know, in the end, it just kind of like. That's exactly where I am right now. Like, the stuff I do and the stuff I like to see is not your, you know, your razzle dazzly musical theater anymore. Um, really? It's just not. I like, you know, my husband calls it weird shit or, but it's really just more <laughs> unconventional and um, very, <clears throat> my aesthetic is, is really hard to describe. I would have to like show you things and say this, this right here is, is what I like. Um, but musical theater, I don't listen to cast recordings. I just don't. I listen to Hamilton because I was like, okay, everyone's talking about it whatever it's free on Spotify and I definitely got hooked on it but I don't I don't look at it the same way I call them the Hamilton fangirls that's not why I want to go see it I don't want to scream at the stage door I want to pick apart the staging like to me the star of the show is Tommy Kale the director that's 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 much more I think of theater much more cerebrally now even mm. musical theater like we just saw Fun Home in New York City oh it's coming to LA I want to see it oh Matt you gotta go I mean it gutted me it was just I mean and in the first 10 or 15 minutes I was like what is this I don't like this why did I just spend 80 dollars a ticket on this because I don't see much musical theater anymore and I'm almost always disappointed by it but then it hooked me in man and I was like if I cry in this theater right now I'm gonna lose my shit I gotta keep it together. <laughs> it was so powerful and so good you I trust me you gotta go see it but yeah and basically all that to say I'm kind of the same way I don't um I don't listen to cast recordings I just meh it's not my thing I, I love it I I love it for what it but I mean yeah there's there's um yeah, it's just not, it wasn't my path. I don't know how I got on that subject. I don't either. But I, I was did. just thinking, how did we get here? I don't know. How, this Welcome to Dear Maddie Show, Gay DD. Um, but yeah, so, well, well, I'm excited. We're going to have a lot to talk about yeah. in Denton. Uh, 
Are you in anything anytime soon that anybody maybe in close in Texas could go to? I am. Uh, well, I just left a position as the co-artistic director of a company for very personal reasons. It was just sucking all of my life and energy and time away. And I had to do what was best for my family. And so I was wondering, what am I going to do now? That place gave me a stage, basically. Anytime I wanted to do something, they were like, yeah, do it. So um, I basically just started cold calling companies with a resume and an email and, and making, because I've made a lot of connections mm-hmm. and I would just say, hey, I'm interested in this. Hey, I'm interested in this. And there's a company newish in Dallas called, um, well, it's in Carrollton Farmers Branch actually, and it's called Lip Service Productions. And uh, I was in Avenue Q last summer and I played mm-hmm. Kate Monster and my friend Sean, who played Rod, the closeted gay Republican, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is directing the Elephant Man script oh, cool. for lip service. And he asked me to be his assistant director. And I've not actually been an assistant director in a long time. But I know that in order to get directing positions now, sometimes you have to work with the company once as an assistant. But yeah. Sean and I work really well together. And we're having auditions in a couple of weeks. But it actually opens, I believe, on September 29th. So, All you know, right. the, the elephant man, the elephant man, there was a David Lynch did the movie, I think, with Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt. So, yeah. Yeah. And I have something Ugh. in the spring, but I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. Okay. Ooh. Well, okay, <laughs> Ben. All right, It's not ben. been announced yet, so I'm not, not allowed to say anything, but I'm very okay. excited. Well, we'll tweet it and I'll twat it out and whatever. All twat that. it. Twat it. Twat it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to some questions. Yeah, let's um, do it. So the first question is, uh, this is from Lindsay, age 26. She says, Dear Maddie, my best friend and I are both single, and we've been doing the club scene and casual dating other people for about two years now. Well, now, honestly, I'm over it. I'm done with the clubs. I have no interest in it. However, my friend still wants to go out at least one night a week. I feel at this point we're just too old for it, and it feels hollow and fake to me. I told her this, and she took it as I was telling her she was shallow. I totally wasn't. Now she's insisting I should be a good friend and support her because she's single and I'm not. Also, not totally true. I'm dating someone, but we're only a month in, so nothing serious at this point. I really just don't want to go out. My sister said I need to tell her bye-bye and move on. She said she is shallow, but I've had good times with her and I do love her. What should be my next move? This is from Lindsay, 26. Oh, man. That's... I I can actually kind of identify with that. My best friend and I are kind of night and day when it comes to that. Um, Mm. Mainly because, I mean, we've been best friends for 25 years now. And um, she's, she tried being married and that didn't work out. So she's divorced and living the single life. And, you know, I'm the, I joke that I'm the boring married lady with the husband and the baby. But um, it's, it's very, I think that it's hard for me to kind of give advice when I'm, you know, almost eight or nine years older than, than Lindsay here, because now I definitely am like, we can talk it out. My best friend and I, I can just say, look, you do your thing and I'm going to do mine. Like no judgment. Just I'll go out with you every, every once in a while. You stay in with me every once in a while. Maybe just maybe try and find a balance. I definitely don't think it's worth ending a friendship over. Like I wouldn't kick her out. You know, I, I don't like the sister's advice necessarily. No, I don't either. I think, I think, and I don't, this is going to sound uh, patron- is it patronizing or patronizing? It's patronizing, I isn't it? I think it's one of those whatever your preferences were. Well, okay. Well, this is going to because I'm 37, but I do think when you're 26, most 26 year olds, at least when I was 26, you don't realize that you can just talk things out and not make them as big as deals they are. Right. And 
I think scary. I agree with Lindsay. Pardon? It's scary too because it feels so confrontational. Yes. And it's it all seems friendship ending. Do you remember Tashina? She took lessons with with Ricky as well. Oh, I remember her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and I have gotten very close, and she's one of my mentors in the theater world. And I remember the first time recently she came right out and said, "Hey, this happened." And it really hurt my feelings that you didn't do this. And it, you know, we're not used to talking to people that way. Even like, no, we're not. We just, as a, as a culture, as a society, I think we just kind of gloss it over, especially my family didn't, we didn't really just address things so bluntly. And it takes you, it takes you back for a second. And I, your gut reaction is to kind of lash back out and say, well, you just, well, whatever. But instead I'm like, okay. I've, I totally see now that your feelings are valid. And I, obviously that was not my intention. I apologize genuinely. Here's where I'm coming from. And then we hash it out and you get through it. And it still kind of sucks. Like it still gives me knots in my stomach, but it's so much better than the alternative of either losing a friendship or pretending that it's okay and just bottling it up till you have a huge fight and saying things you don't mean. Exactly, because that's what happens is you don't want to be confrontational for the little stuff, so then it ends up then it blows up beyond repair. Yeah, but like this is definitely something where I think there could be an easy compromise, and she could maybe Lindsay. I don't know exactly what Lindsay said, but if the friend felt like I don't know, maybe her friend either interpreted what Lindsay said as her calling her shallow, or maybe she feels shallow too and didn't like having that brought out to light. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it might be sometimes she might be uh, one of my friends, Damakoi, her like uh, Reiki spiritual teacher says, you spot it, you got it. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, Lindsay, maybe it is that your friend is feeling a little shallow. So she points that in you, which is great. That's not for you to tell her that. Right. Probably. So in saying that, I think if you're talking to her, Lindsay, you know, definitely you can always, uh, you know, kind of pad a conversation with what you do appreciate your friend and what you you love about her. And so then they know that. Because I think, too, when you're younger, you feel like things are much more black and white. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I don't know what the timeline is uh, based on the question. It was a long question. But if, Lindsay, if you are just starting to date someone, your friend might feel like she's starting to lose you. And that can be tough. Yeah, because you both, you, they've both been trying to date for like two years now. Yeah. So um, they both, it is... It, and honestly, it's kind of like what Chelsea Handler says uh, in that video that's going wild, viral right now where she talks about, I love that she acknowledges jealousy as a natural emotion that yeah. people have. Mm-hmm. And because I have some of my best friends and as an actor, they'll get a role and I'll go, oh, I want that. But I realize, and it feels like jealousy, but I realize I, it's a lot of times it's not, I don't want, I don't want to have that and them not have it. You just it's want just it that, too. I want that as well. Right. And, but it's nothing about doing them not, I don't want it to like kick them out and place them or anything like that. And so Lindsay, you know, if she is, that's a really good point, Mandy, that she could be a little jealous and just, again, you telling her, I'm telling you now, telling a friend they're jealous is not the way to go. <laughs> not that's going to end badly and you're going to have to email us again and Mandy's going to have to be on the show again. <laughs> okay. But Lindsay, it, back up. Yeah, back, but yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just uh, kind of keep mindful. But I think just tell your friend how much you care about her and tell her about like, this is how it has nothing to do with you. Because she also might think, you know, I just been talking this out. She might think if you don't want to go out with her, that 
you don't want to, maybe she's thinking you don't like her anymore as a friend. What if you don't want to like hang out with her? Exactly. And so I think that it takes a lot of effort on Lindsay's part here to say, to make time for her friend, especially if she's in the new part of a relationship where you just kind of, you know, you kind of, what's the word, hermit up together sometimes and spend all your free time together. And so make time for her. And I think that I'm sure your sister is awesome, but just kicking her to the curb and saying bye-bye, I think is probably a mistake. And if anything, I would do the exact opposite of that and go back toward your friend and say, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to imply you were shallow. I, I love spending time with you. I just don't want to go do it at this bar where it's super loud. And, you know, let's go do something else. Like what we, let's go find something else to do that we both like. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you could say it has nothing to do with you, but when I go out, I feel this way. It makes me feel like fake. It makes me feel, it actually makes me feel shallow, or it makes me feel like not connected with people. Because, you know, maybe she feels the same way too. Yeah. And she's just not saying it. And y'all could talk about that even. Absolutely. So that's, I hope that works out because Lindsay, send us a yeah, email us back. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, you want to say you hope that works out because... Because good well, friends as girls, you know, especially, you just got to, sometimes you got to hash through some some hard shit. <laughs> you do. Especially well, when you're you moving along in a different direction, relationship-wise or lifestyle-wise. And that's going to happen in life, very much so. Yeah. So, it's, uh, you brought me back, though. I forgot, to Sheena, she had a great voice, too. Yeah, she's got such a cool voice, and she's still, like, performing. She moved to Chicago. She's writing, she writes music sometimes, and she directs, and... Um, she just recently wrote a really cute little song and posted a video of her playing and singing it. And I was just like, oh, you're so cool. Oh, I'm going to have to friend her on Facebook. You totally should. <laughs> oh, love it. Um, all right, next question. Yeah. This is from Susan, age 40. She says, Dear Maddie, I think my daughter might be transgender. She's 16 years... Uh, oh, sorry. She's 16 years old, and a month ago she told me she was a guy and wanted me to call her Roger. Besides hating the name Roger, <laughs> I'm sorry, that made me laugh. Because um, even, the, even uh, Susan says, besides hating the name Roger, right? Um, she says, I'm accepting and I want to be supportive. However, now she's talking about taking testosterone and wanting to have her breasts removed. I, it's not that I don't want to support Maddie, but this feels a lot like my daughter is still a child. Honestly, this seems out of the blue. She's never seemed like a boy to me a year ago um let's see sorry it's wrong a year ago she uh because it says a year ago she because best friends with a gay man and another trans oh a year ago she was friends with the best best she was best friends with a gay man and another trans friend they are great kids and good friends but i feel like my daughter might want to quote fit in i'm just confused on whether she is a teenager or truly trans. I know you have your camp and probably dealt with this. Thanks, Susan. I picked this question too, Mandy, though, because I also want to get your opinion as someone who, yes, I do have a camp and I have experience. And I know maybe you have some experience with trans people. Maybe you don't, but also know you're a mother. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not a mother of a teenager, but I just thought your perspective could be interesting as well in this for Susan. Okay, that is tough, Susan. Um, oh, this is the toughest. This is the toughest, Susan. So bravo for writing. Yeah, that takes a lot of courage. And good for you, first of all, for just, you know, saying above all else, you want to be supportive of, of your child. Um, uh, I am so new to the, um, the trans conversation. 
and it's it's something very new uh, for me. And being a part of my last theater company, I was a part of a group that is that is dedicated to creating safe spaces for the queer community. So I've learned a lot, but I'm still learning. So before I say anything, I just want to preface it with saying I'm speaking from the heart. So please forgive anything that sounds, if I use the wrong terms, I'm so super sensitive about you, saying the wrong terms. You're awesome. And I think what you just displayed is it's about, it's about how your intention with how you talk to people, not necessarily sometimes all what you say. Good. Okay. So, so just, that's it. Go ahead. That, oh man. Um, that sounds like when I say it sounds like a parent's nightmare, it's because we don't know what to do and we want to support yeah. our child. Um, I am no way mean to say that having a trans child is a nightmare, but I think 16 is such a, I mean, what a, what a transformative time of their life. And I've had conversations with friends before. There is a, a local couple that is very public about their younger child being trans and um, because of all the bathroom debate, this part, these, these parents actually even did a, a two or three part story in the paper. And I was just like, wow, I think they're doing everything right when it comes to what do you want to be called? How do you want to dress? How do you want to wear your hair? But I think, and if my, my son is three years old, so if my son comes to me at any time and says this, it will very much depend on who he is as a person and what I know about his personality and how old he is. But my, my first thought is I would never want to I would never want to do something body or hormonally changing my child before they went through puberty because I think a lot can change and also I that's not my body but as as their parent I feel like it's my job to do the best I can to make decisions that guide them in the right way until they're 18 years old and so at 16 I would probably say can you wait two years and then you can make the decision for yourself mm-hmm. because even if it's just, you know, some making a decision like getting married or moving in with somebody, can you wait six months? Can you wait a year? I mean, this is how you're feeling right now and your emotions mm-hmm. can be very strong because of whatever reasons. But to make that decision now, that going back would be all kinds of painful, physically, emotionally, who knows? So if it were me with my child, I would probably say, take the same approach I would with ear piercing or my son has a little mole on his face that I'm getting looked at next Monday. And there's a part of me that is vain and wants to get it taken off his face. But that's not, you know, that's at, at, at three years old, that's my choice. But really, I also want to say it's his body. So that's, mm-hmm. you talk about, you said that earlier in the podcast that you, you feel that I am very sensitive to what my, ch- my children and child or future children would think or feel. And this is where it gets me in trouble because I can't just put my foot down and say, I see, I respect you and I'll do, I'll call you whatever you want. You can buy whatever clothes you want. We'll cut your hair however you want, but I'm not, I'm, I'm putting my foot down on the hormones or the testosterone or the surgery. But personally, if you were to ask me right now, I would say maybe have her wait a year and see if that's still something that she really feels like she wants to do. Yeah, I think that's I think that is a very normal reaction of supportive parents that um want to be supportive as possible and it's not that they don't think their kid isn't trans per se, they just know that how permanent that is. Um I I think I would feel the same way as a parent as well and I'm someone who's you know, gay, but that's nothing to do with trans being trans, but uh, someone who's around a lot of trans experience. So I think for Susan, I think mainly my main thing for Susan is you need support. 
And so your child needs support. Yes. So, and the reason is, is because if you're you and your child or both of you together are not in some type of counseling with someone who is um, uh, queer friendly, LGBTQ, uh, specifically trans friendly, then you need to find that. And if you need specific resources for that, Susan, email me again and I can help you do that. But um, because also with Roger, uh, with him, with her daughter, who I'm going to use him, um, it sounds like he, um, I'm interested in... A part of me would want to be like, wait and see, because I do agree. Some kids now are, we even see this at our camp, meaning that kids that are identified as queer, that are trans, usually they're, they, once they're trans, they're always, you know, they, they're transitioning, they're trans and they identify that, but they still are playing around with things like pronouns. Like sometimes even though they were a bo- a fo- assigned a female and then transitioned to a boy, they still want to use the he pronoun, or maybe they want to say they, or maybe they want to say she, and it's still, they are in that teenage expression of finding identity, which just teenagers do, period. So there is that. But the other conversation is, um, you know, if this, if this was before puberty, I would say actually potentially maybe going to the doctor to delay puberty, actually, because that's a lot of times parents think I want to, like you said, Mandy, I want to wait till after puberty. But a lot of times, sometimes um, that can really spike up suicide for trans kids, especially oh gosh, because they're because wow. their body is changing the way they don't want it to change. If they're, you know, if they're born in a female body, all of a sudden now their hips are getting wider, they're growing breasts, and it, it really can ho- um, inhibit body dysmorphia. And the same thing for men transition that they're getting hairier, they're, they're getting a larger Adam's apple. And so what they can do, and it's not permanent, a lot of times they can give hormone therapy earlier to delay puberty to give the child time to decide if they truly want to transition. So it's actually can be a safer, a little bit. I'm not a medical doctor, but just in cases that I've heard. But mainly, I think with Roger, I just, I, I yeah, Susan, you got to get support because if he is suicidal, um, you know, that would be different if maybe waiting a year or two years isn't possible for him. But maybe it is. And also maybe it's about... Um, yeah, maybe I doubt it. I doubt it is a fad. Like the percentage of of people who transition that are trans, um, that regret it. It's I I don't even remember the last time, but it's something ridiculous. Like, I mean, like two percent. Like it's nothing. Num- there are numbers on that. There are, okay. there are, and I remember reading. But it's so, it's such a dramatic thing. Like for a child to ask to have their breast removed, that's different than wanting to dress like a boy. Absolutely. Um, so I, but I just, but I think what you were saying, Mandy, is it really depends on the child, and it's if you know your child and how they come to you in that present moment. So it's so like you get an A plus, Mandy. I think as far as being a parent again, thank because, you. Because I know that if you were in the situation, you would know you probably that you need to find support to kind of around people that are experts in this to help you make decisions. Like I literally started sweating under my arms a little bit, just like, oh gosh, am I going to just totally f this up answering this question because it's. It's so hard, but I have to say also, Susan, like you're doing something right as a parent. If I will also use Roger, um, felt like he could come to you and say, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good job, Mandy. Yeah. So, so many kids probably don't think they can. And man, 
that is my, one of my number one goals as a parent is I never want Zach to ever feel like he can't tell me anything he's thinking or feeling. And so that's my job from, a, from right now on, um, or before now, even just to say nothing you can say ever will make me not love you ever or support you. And so that way, that trust and that knowledge that he can come to me. And so Susan, you're doing something right, obviously, and you're doing the right things even by emailing Matt. But again, email him again and get some resources and, and talk to Roger about going together and just say, I think you can also be super honest as a parent and just say, I don't know how to deal with this. I want to be as supportive as possible. Will you come with me? I'd like to go with you. I'd like us to, because I want to know how to be the best supportive mom to you. That's great. And I think that's modeling too for Roger, Susan, you're modeling to Roger that you don't know all the answers. Like I said, what I love you do, Mandy, like how beneficial is it that Zach sees that mommy has bad days and mommy doesn't always know the right thing to do. Mommy just tries to do the best thing in that moment. Man, and our, our, our church we go to, they, we talk about authenticity all the time. And, and we talk about apologizing to your kids, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's, that could, that's a tangent I could go off on, but when we do make mistakes, cause we're gonna just saying, I'm so sorry. I did not handle that well, whether it's because I raised my voice or I lost my patience or I invalidated or diminished your feelings. We could, parents can say they're sorry. And I think that's huge for kids to see and to admit that they mm. are also just because we're bigger and we have more bills and we've lived here longer does not mean we know jack shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. You think you're going to be an adult and you're suddenly going to have all the answers. And boy, that's the biggest lie. That's the biggest, <laughs> biggest lie. Well, good luck to you, Susan. Thank you for writing in. I'd that was a love great question. I'd follow-up on that if we can. Yeah. Because Me I just want to know how, how Roger, how you guys are doing. Yeah, we love that, love that, love that. Well, all right. So now we're moving on. Celebrity shit the bed. <laughs> what's, been, what's been in your heart this week? What's pissed you off, giving you joy, made you think? I love the phrase shit the bed, first of all. It makes me laugh. I do. It's... <laughs> I do too. I love it. I so love it. You're going to make fun of me and that's totally fine. When I knew this section, I actually like, I don't know jack crap about what's happening in pop culture lately. And so I like went on to TMZ and I'm just Perez Hilton still a thing. Like I was like, what's happening? You know what? I, I just saw culture. him at, and I saw him at an event this week and I was like, I'm not a fan. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be pop culture. Like, Hey, if you want to talk about like be a sermon you heard in church that really affected you or if you wanted to talk about like apologizing to your kids we can talk about that whatever you whatever like it's like you feel like it's important right now for you not in the world but for you you know actually um that's actually a pretty good segue because our church is doing a series right now called great reads he's doing it over the <laughs> summer and it's just not even sermons it's just like he's been meeting with authors of books that he likes uh, our pastor and I picked up one yesterday. Uh, wait, is today Monday? Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, it's been a long day. And it's uh, basically about it's uh, the art of holy non-judgment, and it's about how um, Christians get a bad rap, rightfully so, for being super judgmental and pulling the whole "Well, I love you, but I'm just my goal is to get you to love Jesus," and how that eventually alienates people, um, and they don't want to spend time with us because they feel like a project. And I haven't started the book yet, but it's mm. like it was speaking to my heart just about how if you don't condone something, that automatically means you condemn it. Or if you don't condemn something, that automatically means you condone it. And like, where's the place in the middle? And we think that place is Jesus, like loving people, like the greatest commandment. And 
being a friend, like it says in the Bible, Jesus was a friend to tax collectors, a friend to these people that were not um, appealing. Yeah. Yeah. And to be a friend to somebody in our culture now, it basically means adding them on Facebook. But to be a, a true friend to somebody means like spending time with that person, putting in time and spending time and listening. And that's been on my heart a lot lately because, you know, with this, I know you told me not to say his name and I won't, but with this election cycle. Oh, no, I said you you could say his name. I just, well, it always comes back to Trump because he's an asshole. I know. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him because he's not worth it. But let's talk about the election itself is look, you see how it's dividing people. I had somebody unfriend me the other day and delete my comments. And I was like, what? My cousin unfriended me and my own cousin (laughs) just because I posted about Black Lives Matter. I mean, we are letting these things divide us up so much and we're forgetting that these people a lot of times are our friends or our family and like after all this dust and crap settles they're still going to be there especially if they're family you put a good quote on your facebook actually where you said remember that we're going to eat thanksgiving with these people yeah like a few weeks after that election is thanksgiving dinner and it's going to be real awkward if we if we don't start watching what we say to our friends and family so that's kind of, it's been on my heart. It's bumming me out the way everyone's talking to each other. And um, sometimes I feel like I just need to be quiet. <laughs> well, well, what is it like for you? Like, cause I just want to ask, I mean, I know you can't speak for everybody. You can speak to your ex- experience, but you do. That's another reason I was interested in having you on the show is because you are, you are a Christian yeah. who lives in the South and in I, the Bible Belt. First, like a who, sailor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think Jesus gives two shits. Um, but also, too, you are a Christian who is, I, I don't know what other word to use in that uh, that's not conservative. But I mean conservative in political leanings, so yeah. to speak, not conservative in life because – Again, but I feel like that's, it's like people are talking now about in the Democratic Party, how like with the D, because I am a Democrat. And so that um, the Democrat now has kind of taken, because of a lot of Trump, what he says is that it's so not patriotic. Mm -hmm. And that that whole deal of patriotism and love your country, that was such a Republican kind of thing, but people associate with it. I know Yeah, because I know that from being in Texas, I remember after 9-11, I remember putting a flag, like a a little flag sticker on the back of my car. I did it like the next day um, because I wanted to be proud for my country. But then I remember like like four years later wanting to take that off because I didn't want people to associate me me with that type of like – uh, NRA loving, very not not open minded kind of patriotism sure. that became associated in America. And I didn't take the flag off because I told myself, no, screw them. I can be a patriot and, and be myself, and I want to be that. But anyway, I think that that switched. But I think it's so. What's it like for you that? Because I don't feel like growing up, um, conservatism was. I mean, there were like Reagan Republicans and things like that, but I just feel like religion wasn't so outwardly entrenched with 
No, it was based um, much more on policy and economics. Yeah, and policy. So what's it like for you being, you don't have to talk about your political, I don't know if you're Democrat, Republican, that doesn't matter, but what it is like being a Christian who's not necessarily the most conservative thinking Christian. Do you feel like you, in Texas, is that hard for you, difficult, or is it easy? I think that, well, just to, I don't mind telling anybody anything. I think I registered as a Republican when I turned 18, but I've been voting mm-hmm. Democrat recently because um of obvious, for me, obvious reasons of how um, communities of people that I care about are going to be affected by Republican lawmaking. So, <laughs> um, but it's honestly, I, uh, my parents raised me right. Like we disagree on a lot of things politically, um, policy wise, economic wise, um, but they taught me to love people. And also I am uh, very much entrenched in the theater community. So I've kind of surrounded myself like, you know, even when I post stuff that might be polarizing on Facebook and it makes me kind of sweaty to do it, it never, it never completely derails because I have such, I've really surrounded myself. I've kind of curated my life experience with these amazing people who are willing to listen and have a discussion. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's, it's not as difficult as you might think, I guess for me. And I might be very lucky to say that. Well, possibly. I do think that you, I think you represent a lot of people too in the country and that like my own mother, I mean, she's much, I think more conservative than you are and I am for sure, but she is a registered Republican. However, she's doesn't feel, um, she hasn't voted or what maybe, I don't know. She just doesn't feel represented by that party because somebody who's a feminist and someone who, you know, obviously has a gay son and like this, you know, the Republican party now is, you know, adopting conversion therapy and their party platform and it really is um she feels i feel bad for her because she also doesn't totally i mean she thinks hillary clinton is satan so she doesn't <laughs> she does having, she hates so her. she's having some trouble i bet so she's having some trouble yeah. because she does not love trump and it's just i feel a lot of people feel um i actually feel sorry i feel sorry for a lot of my republican friends Absolutely. because i feel like they feel very lost and not represented in this country yeah, and that's what i said in that same post about remember you got to eat turkey with these people in a couple months is that don't don't brush off how hard it is for them because it is it's not, it may not be hard for some people. Like, well, the answer is obvious. Well, yeah, to you, but it's not obvious for this person or that person or me or whomever. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's tough. And people, like I joked with my dad the other day, he was like, well, you still have to vote. And I said, of course I'm going to vote. You know, Susan B. Anthony didn't get arrested so I could sit at home and fold my arms and pout, you know, I'm going to vote. So it's for me though, I, I don't think we have to always hash it out or, or get the other person to agree with us. Like, I think that the older I get, especially the, when, when I start to see it putting, driving a stake in my relationship with somebody, I stop whether it's that moment or just, I'm, I say, I know that for now I cannot talk with this person about this thing because I love this person so much and I'm not willing to risk a relationship over this. And that's specifically with family. There are definitely some friendships where I've said, wow, you and I are fundamentally different and we're I don't know that I want to spend time with you and I don't want to bring my Mm -hmm. child around you because of the things that you say. But um, for the most part, very generally and broadly speaking, if it starts to drive a stake into a relationship that I find value in, then it's not a topic I'm going to discuss anymore because we're not going to meet in the middle right now. So, and I'm certainly not going to, we're not going to bring each other over. (laughs) Yeah. I, well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're an adult. Hey, I wish most of the be. time, there are definitely times where I want to pout and kick and scream and throw a tantrum. 
So, or you flip your son off behind his back. I love that. I love that image. Oh my gosh. And just to lighten it up, there was a time when he was a little baby where I was just, you know, you bounce the baby and it's the middle of the night and I was shushing him and I just, every other shh, I'd say, oh, you suck. You suck. Shh, you suck. Because <laughs> I was so tired. Tired. So, I love that. I love that. I, I love wish it. I had something more fun in pop culture to talk about, but you know, this. No, that me. was great. That's what's happening. That was great. That's what's on your heart. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Um, all right, now it's time for, we're almost done, sugar. Chatty Maddie questions, okay? okay? Five questions I ask everybody every week, same questions. So, Chatty Maddie number one, what's your most memorable childhood smell? Oh, man. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a mixture of smells. I call it the, the summer outside smell. You know, it's like grass and a barbecue and sunscreen. It's like you smell it as soon as you walk out. I know that's because I grew up an hour north of you. So I know exactly what that smell is. And it's just this outside smell. And we grew up in this, in the country. I grew up in a house on wheels in the early part of my life. So, Uh oh, oh, you are country. (laughs) Um, so it's just this outside smell and it just automatically fills me with nostalgia. Like I want to go run through a sprinkler and eat popsicles, that type of thing. So just that summer outside smell. I know that smell yeah, very well. Um, all right, Chatty Manny number two, what would be the name of your memoir? Oh, man, I wanted to have something clever come up with this, especially because it's a podcast and I don't like dead air. It, hey, it's a dead air. We can have a podcast. <laughs> it's dead air. It's fine. I don't care. Um, probably, that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> So many times I will just say something and I'm like, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. What I meant to say was, and because again, my heart is is what guides so much of what I say and do sometimes, and that does not always come out the most eloquently. That's... So that's the name of my memoir. That's not what I meant. That's pretty damn good. That's one of the better ones, maybe. <laughs> that's pretty good. Awesome. That's pretty good. Awesome. Um, all right, chatting to Maddie number three. What's the best piece of advice you wished you had taken earlier in life? Um, don't say maybe when you want to say no. Oh, don't say maybe when you want to say no. If I had a, oh Lord, <laughs> if, oh my, I'm still working on that one. If my boyfriend heard me say that, he'd probably start dancing and pointing at me because I'm working on it. <laughs> it is something I'm struggling that with. that onto a sampler and hang it up. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, ooh, I love that. I, um, I all right. Chatty Manny number four, what day would be your groundhog day or what day that you've lived that was so awesome you'd just do it over and over? You know, it seems like the natural answer would be the day my son was born, but a great part of that day sucked. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Everybody says so, they feel like they should say their kid, but that day sucked for them. Yeah, so don't worry. It's just so exhausting and so hard. Um, but you know, the day that I got engaged was a really good day. Um, I joke, uh, or not joke. I'm, I've, I've, I've said, and I was a blogger for a minute and right before Zach was born, I talked about, I wrote a whole post about us, about me and my husband and how even on our wedding day, my favorite part of the day was when we did the last dance of the reception and everybody left the room, every single person, waiters, waitresses, guests, photographers, the DJ started the song and left and it was just me and him. And there's so much that happens in a relationship and you get bogged down in this or that or bills or stress or whatever, children. And even the first few years of marriage. So I'd have to say the day that we got engaged, which was we were up in Boston. We were kind of alone in our own little bubble. And um, it was just me and him. 
back before we when we were still starry eyed and stupid. Um, mm. <laughs> I love that though that you did the last dance just you two. I might steal that. You should steal it. It's just it's an incredible moment because the day has been so crazy and it's just the two of you. And even even I wouldn't have minded if the photographer had snapped a couple pictures, but I don't need I don't need those. I have them in my head, you know. Um, mm. So yeah, just I think the day I got engaged was a pretty pretty great day. It's hard to it's oh. hard to have a Groundhog Day that doesn't include Zach, but there are some there were some special moments since he's been born that I wouldn't mind doing over and over again, but those also make me real tired. <laughs> I know. Well, and also too, I think that those days that you're talking about now are at the foundation of what Zach's life was built. Yeah, upon. absolutely. So so it's all connected. Yeah, so I, I'm going to stick with my gut on that one. The day that okay. Michael proposed to me was an awesome one. I hope he hears that. Um, <laughs> all right, last one. When are you most inspired? I am the most inspired when I'm in a room full of creative people, whether that's us planning, having a production meeting, um, or if I'm in a, the audience of a show, um, just when I am kind of picking up on, like my, my artistic antenna are up. That's the best. Yeah. Ugh. When other people get excited about things and you just like, you, you're talking all over each other or you're just like being affected by this one thing that's happening on a stage and it just, I mean, even if I hear certain songs now because I've been exposed to so much dance and theater and movement and music, I'll hear a song and I'll just wish to God I could choreograph something right then and there or paint. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't I have watercolors? Why don't I know how to use them? So that's a feeling I feel a lot. And it usually is just because I'm in the presence, whether it's playing on my radio and my, my headphones or right in front of me of somebody else either in the process of creating or showing me the results of the work they've done. It's just, I can't help but be inspired to do something myself. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love that. Yeah. I love, well, Mandy Roush, tell everybody where they can find you if you want them to. Okay. Um, I am on Twitter. If you don't want them to, as Jake Anthony said, don't fucking find me. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What am I on Twitter? Okay, on Twitter I am Feminartist, which is like feminist and artist, but yes, love mashed it. up together. And on Instagram I am Feminartistry, artistry, because it was taken. So Twitter and Instagram, Feminartist, go ahead and follow me. It's a lot of pictures of my kid, so get used to it. But I also will sometimes go on Twitter rants and theater conversations. But yeah, come and find me. Can't promise you'll like the content, but come and find me. Make friends. Well, it's going to be real, though. Hashtag real. Hashtag authentic. Hashtag Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. Some <laughs> truth talk. Well, I am so glad we got to reconnect. I'm excited that I get to see you and your family whenever, and I'll let you know. Yeah. And um, I just thank you for taking this little hour adventure with me. For the rest of you, you know the drill. Go to DearMaddieShow.com. You can ask show questions there. You also... Please go on and rate uh, the show on iTunes. That's a big deal for us. It helps us get there. There's also, we do YouTube channels, youtube.com uh, slash talk to Matt Marr. That's where you can see Dear Maddie, me, Jake is one of them. We have guests. We're answering your questions. Just little, you know, two or three minute videos to give you some advice. And, um, you know, we're just trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to take over the webs. But anyway, so uh, thank you all for, for listening and yeah, that's it. That's uh, I'm feeling inspired now, Mandy. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. For the rest of you, we will see you next week. Goodbye.